step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Sometimes 
we forget to control our own attitude. I have found my way away from social media dramatically over the last several years because of that alone. I have discovered, well, a long time ago, I think you've all discovered, if you're paying attention, that the vast majority of social media attention is negative. People like to go on there and whine and bitch and complain and and very little actual work gets done. But some does, and that's why we go there. It's a way to reach people you don't know, and that's why we go there. <clears throat> but what we do is we reach them, communicate. We reach them to get off the air. We reach them to, to get together, to meet in person, um, to meet virtually, to work together. None of this stuff happens on social media. And I think it's important to remember that. I don't know how many times, you know, I see people documenting their every minute and their 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 meals and their whatever they think is important. And, uh, you know, I pop in there now and again and, and, and put some things up there. Sometimes it's things that I think are important. Sometimes it's just things that I think. Sometimes it's a picture of my dog. I don't really care what anybody thinks about what I put on social media. I don't rely on it for anything, and it certainly doesn't uh, validate me as a human being. It's a tool. And I think that maybe if we were to reflect on what we do have control over and how impactful those things that we control are, we would live in a different world. Remember, everything that ever existed, everything that ever was built, everything that happens, and the way we respond to it all comes from our mind, our ideas, our thoughts, our, our attitudes, everything. It all comes from here, all of it. And if you start studying a little bit, even a little bit, like I, I do in a really rudimentary way, try to learn about... Um, Quantum physics, how does things work? And, you know, I'm certainly no mathematician. Anybody who knows me would know that. I'm uh, maybe an aspiring scientist of sorts, but certainly I'm no physicist by any stretch. I'd look at a giant equation on a wall and not have a clue what it meant. But I can understand the concepts if they're described in a simple enough way. And that was some of the things that some of the most brilliant people like Einstein and Feynman and some of the most brilliant people were not brilliant just because they could understand the complexities of the universe, but because they could describe them in such a way that you or I might be able to understand what they mean, even in the simplest terms. And I think that that's important. Communication is everything. Um, and 2020 is a year, frankly, like every other and a lot of things have happened. A lot of things, have, crazy things have happened. We've, frankly, let a lot of things happen. But there's been worse years, you know. Go back through history, and I could point out hundreds of worse days, weeks, months, and years um, historically in every possible way you could imagine, in deaths by disease, in deaths total, in political chaos, in economic chaos in anything, you name it, I could point out worse times. Even climate, 
think about the days after the meteor hit and the dinosaurs were dying. Kind of a bad day, no? What about the Ice Age? That was kind of rough times for most people. There's been historical times worse than these ones we're in right now. But you wouldn't know it by reading Facebook. You wouldn't know it by listening to the news. And you certainly wouldn't know it talking to many, many people. So I try to be something different from that. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a little bit out there. I'm a nut job like all the other nut job activists. But I try to have an element that I don't see enough of out there, an element that I wish there was more of. And that is an element of common sense and maybe a little bit of courtesy, meaning that I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to assume that you're a shithead because you don't think the way I think. Imagine that. What if what if more people were to do that? Might be a better world, no? And I try to interject common sense into all things, political or otherwise. And that has led me to believe and understand that it's all a bunch of crap. All of it. Every bit of it. You're politically on one side, you're full of crap. You're politically on the other side, you're full of crap. You're down the center, you're full of crap. You know why? Because it's all full of crap. The only thing that makes sense are the issues. That's it. That's all that really matters. How does it actually affect us? What is happening that impacts us? I don't care what party you support because your party doesn't support us, the human race. It doesn't. much as you think it does, it doesn't. What it supports is the people that are in it, that are in power, it supports themselves. That's all. That's it. So anybody want to come aboard and uh, come on the show and want to talk politics, pick a side, any side. I will be the minister of common sense. And we'll go back through history and we will look at facts as undeniable, irrefutable. And if you're open-minded and willing to look at truth for truth, we'll come to an understanding that indeed all of politics is full of crap. And that's the way it is. Now, we have the ability to change it. You know, for all of you that are going to leave if Trump gets reelected, just leave now. If you're going to leave if Biden gets elected, leave now, please. Please make room for those of us that actually want to live here and want to make this a better place because we're the only ones that can and unless and until we do, it won't be. It's not going to get better on its own. It never has. It never will. It's not going to get better if we leave the people in power in power because they're going to keep doing what they do. But we can change it. We can change it in a lot of ways. Now, I don't advocate changing it by burning down businesses, and I don't advocate it by changing it I don't advocate changing it by shutting down businesses. I advocate changing it by appealing to public sentiment. I advocate changing it by getting a consensus of what people actually want and exchanging dialogue and actually having a conversation about what is it that we want? What does it look like? You know, even when we're protesting and screaming, what do we want? And then we call out justice. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? 
You know, in a lot of protests, I, I, I see um, people wanting to remember their name. That's cool. That's important. All lives matter. All names matter. Everything matters. The whole damn universe matters. And none of it matters, depending on where you're standing and what impacts you. But, okay, so we remember their name. Now what? You know, why don't we get to a place where we actually start calling for change that you can see? Defund the police. Well, what the hell does that even mean? You know, give me a plan. Show me what we want to see. I'll show you what I want to see. I've got some ideas. I'd certainly like to see them executed. And I'm confident that if we continue uh, to work together more and more as we've begun doing, that we will, we will actually see that. And I encourage and welcome anybody to actually get involved and do that. All the work in the world gets done behind the scenes, all of it. Even when 10,000 people protest and demand change, even when 100,000 people protest and demand change, the change happens behind closed doors where the people that actually influence the situation sit down and decide what's going to happen next. That's what happens. Laws get passed. Political speeches get made. But I can assure you, actual conversations where the actual things happen, happen behind closed doors, and they happen between people. And I've spent the greater part of the last year, maybe two years, working in that capacity. I've spent less time talking on stages, and I've spent less time doing podcasts. I've spent less time doing interviews. Hell, I've spent less time writing. But I've spent more time working with people behind the scenes. I've spent more time creating alliances, friendships. Um, and that kind of thing. Now, they don't always work out. I have, uh, I don't know, probably more don't work out than do, or at least it's been my experience thus far. But one by one, we're gaining on it. One by one, we're, we're getting more and more people working together. Behind the scenes, not on Facebook, not with accolades, not even with people you would even necessarily know or know who they're working with. Happens all the time. Now, one of the things that's happened that's changed recently, in fact, today, um, this is the last podcast that's going to be hosted by the Coffee Party Radio Show. We're going to be uh, hosting our own show from now on, and um, we're going to sever our alliance with the coffee party. And not because they did anything to us and not because they're total jerks, but because they've had their own political differences and the people that we have worked with in the past most closely are separating themselves from the party so uh, or from the group. They're not a political party. They're a, a 501c3 organization. So... Um, this is the last show that will be brought to you by the Coffee Party 
and the Coffee Party Radio Network. There's no bad blood. There's not anything that happened that caused us any harm, and we certainly didn't cause them any harm. Um, Things just didn't work out the way I had hoped. And to anybody who's been around me lately, in the last year especially, um, if you're not helping getting things happening, if you're not working in a way that is being productive, you're probably not spending any time together because there's not time for these things. These things that don't work, there's just not time for it. You know what? Because there's barely enough time for the things that do work. And it's true. Um, I've come to realize my own mortality as my father passed away, and I saw that I was going to be following in his footsteps soon, footsteps soon if I didn't change my ways. And that's brought me to an understanding of some things. Lost a lot of friends close to me um, in the last 10 years. And uh, I realized that we're only here on this planet for a blink of an eye. And I don't want to waste one second of it um, with people and organizations and things that aren't completely um, in sync, that are working together. There's a lot of things happening right now. Um, one thing that's just recently happened, and it's, I don't know, it's kind of frustrating. You know, they say no good deed goes unpunished. It's a saying that sarcastically has been brought forth by people who have helped people and been burned by those people that they've helped. Any of us who know, who have spent time doing good things for people, volunteering your time, helping people, undoubtedly have experienced this because it happens. It happens all the time. But it's certainly by no means the, the, the law. It's not something that has to happen. I've helped plenty of people um, that didn't screw me. But as a 501c3, which the Human Solution International is, we have a lot of things that we do. We do a lot of uh, grassroots organization. We do education. We support each other in the courtrooms. We support um, victims of the drug war. We support prisoners. We're working on a, a reentry program so that when people get out of prison, that they have a way to reenter society, make some money, have meaningful purpose. Um, anybody who knows anything about living uh, meaningful purpose is one of the most important things that the human spirit needs. And if you can't find some of that, we tend to either wither up and die or worse, we, we seek purpose in um, destructive ways or, or dysfunctional ways. And so when somebody can find a purpose such as working with a nonprofit, helping make the world better, helping people, helping in, improve the quality of people's lives, it can be meaningful enough to drive people to, a, uh, to want to live, to want to do better, to want to do more, to have a reason to wake up, to have an excitement for life, to um, you know, have that fire. And... Working together as a human rights organization is kind of, to me, a no-brainer. You know, we live in a world where human rights issues are rampant all over the world, and 
here in the United States of America where as much as things are screwed up, they're so much less screwed up than so many other places. And we have so many more freedoms than so many other places, and we have so many less disasters, human rights disasters, than so many other places. And yet, and yet, we have prohibition of a plant. Not just any plant. You know, if we decided that we were going to make oleanders illegal, and some cities and some counties in California have done that, or you can't plant oleanders because they're deadly poisonous. And people and animals die every year from eating them, coming in contact with them. There have been efforts to eradicate the Datura jimson weed because every year people die from it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't dishearten me. It wouldn't cause me huge grief if they were to decide, well, that plant needs to be outlawed. Okay. I never grew it on purpose anyways, and I know there are things that both of those plants can do to help people, but they're very limited in what they can do to help you and potentially very deadly. On the other hand, we have the cannabis plant. The cannabis plant has been categorized in a category where it has no known medical use, is lumped in with the most dangerous plants and substances, substances entirely on the planet, including deadly substances. And it's claimed to be highly addictive. All of these characteristics, which none of them apply, actually. I know people that are looking to file a lawsuit based on that alone. Great. Maybe we can make it work. I'd love to see that happen. But meanwhile, for the last nearly 100 years, we have been taking away citizens' rights, citizens' property, citizens' lives, citizens' children, citizens' jobs, virtually anything that you could take away from an individual. We have done that because of this one plant, the cannabis plant. And the cannabis plant has been proven throughout the world under numerous rigorous scientific studies that have happened more recently than ever to have a myriad of different medical benefits. It has never killed anybody, and addiction can be psychological or physical. It certainly does not have physical addiction that would give you withdrawal symptoms like the DTs, um, things that alcohol, sometimes cocaine, um, opium, opiates, those types of drugs can all have, even psych drugs, Xanax and a number of psych drugs, have very dangerous um, withdrawal symptoms. So you can't safely just quit them in many cases. Quitting them could kill you just as much as taking them can kill you. So every possible way to measure this plant makes it not suitable for the Controlled Substances Act Schedule 1 where it sits. And because of these combinations of things, I consider it to be an egregious human right violation, and thus the Human Solution International has championed it and we've st 
taken that on as a primary cause. Since then, we've taken on a number of other causes, and you know that's going to continue. Um, as a 501c3, most of the work we've done historically over the last 10 years, going into 11 years now, has been all volunteer. Every single member of the Human Solution has been a volunteer from day one. Nobody's ever made any money. We've done a little bit of fundraising, but not a lot. We do education, court support. Sometimes we organize rallies. And from time to time, we've raised money. Recently, we've decided, well, since we do have a 501c3, we can legitimately raise money. We do it in a way that is bar none better than any other 501c3 that I know of because we don't take any administration fees out of it. If you if we raise $100 for a cause, $100 goes to the cause every single time. We've been completely transparent from day one. Um, we, we publish our books. We file with the IRS, our 990 every year. Everything is totally above board compliant. And yet, historically, all of the grief that's ever happened with this organization and all of the things that have been slung at me personally, um, combination of those things, it's always somehow come down to money, mismanagement of money. And it makes it so that I don't even want to deal with money. I mean, I haven't touched the money in many years, seven or eight years it's been since I've handled the nickel of the Human Solution money. But the point is, I don't even as an organization really want to raise money for people anymore because it always ends up going south. And we've done some good stuff. Just this last year, we raised money for a couple of causes. We raised money for one of our people. Um, we raised money for a vehicle issue. Um, actually, one of our people, we raised, two people, different people, we raised money for vehicle issues. We raised money for court fees. We raised money for um, one of the defendants that we were supporting to actually fix her house. And we raised up a bunch of money to fix her house and, and bring out the people to volunteer to do it. And most recently, we just raised up a bunch of money for one of our chapter coordinators um, to get a vehicle so that their family can move into it. And that was a big undertaking. And this person actually donated probably close to as much as everybody raised on her own. And she donated it through the organization, and we're turning around and donating it back to her just to keep everything super clean, to keep it right, to be righteous. And yet, through the social media network that it was raised in, what did I see? I saw a person having to defend herself. People saying, oh, I'm not going to give you any money because you already make a lot of money. Or you guys don't think your people good enough or any number of bullshit things that happen. And frankly, I don't personally care, but it's just it 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 takes the fun out of it, to be honest. I like to be able to think that 
money I've donated personally, money that I've encouraged other people to donate, the good things that we've done with that money, we've raised good money for good people. I would like to think about that alone as its own thing and to think, wow, what a good thing has happened. But to virtually every time have somebody have to come in and just take a steaming turd on it, I just go, wow, I don't know that I want to raise money like this anymore. We probably will, but to me, it's uh, it's a statement on us, once again. Look at our government. Look what we did. Look at our health care system. Look what we did. Look at the world around us. Again, look what we did. We did this. We let it happen. We didn't stop it. We didn't change it. It's on us. Own it. Help me change it. Be a part of it. That's what I'm asking. This is a podcast that is also a donation. A lot of people do these things and they charge money for it. A lot of people do these things and they have commercials and sponsors and all kinds of stuff. They're money-making efforts. That's great. If people are willing to pay money for it, then it's got value. I would like to think, based on the people that I know watch this show, participate with this show, um, that there's a true value to it. And I would ask you that if you find this show valuable, don't give us any money, but talk to somebody about it. Tell somebody about it. Share it. Let people know that this is a good show and that it's worth watching. That's the way that this show takes value is if more of us get a chance to see it and benefit from it. And, Craig, you're coming on kind of late. I'm only going to be on for a few more minutes. We're doing another sort of abbreviated show today. But we've got enough time to at least say hey and see what's going on. Uh, what's, what's been new? I am late. <laughs> you're way late. Yeah, I, I, I didn't have a, a special guest, so I was, I was going to run a half an hour, but I can run longer than that. Um, but, in fact, I'm about to. So tell us what's been going on with you this week. Oh, not much, not much. I, I'm still waiting for all my approvals from the halfway house. I, I'm upset that, you know, that they're no better than the government, it seems. <laughs> I've been waiting since the middle of September for them to approve a job offer I have, for me to work from home while on home confinement. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, um, I was getting to the part where um, – we're getting ready to host our elections, and uh, on our website, thsintl.org, we have put an election registration um, page right up on the front. So anybody who wants to be involved uh, within, uh, I think it's on the 27th, we're going to actually hold the election. So in... Uh, a week from yesterday, we're going to be holding our elections. And in order to qualify to vote, you need to be an active member. In order to be an active member, you must have um, signed up in the last year and paid your dues or be one of the very few lifetime memberships that we have. We have, I don't know, maybe a dozen or so lifetime memberships that have been awarded, mostly to um, people that were incarcerated um, a few for people that have just done ridiculous, exceptional things for the organization and for people involved. Um, but for the most part, 
I'm I'm a a, a paying member myself. Uh, every year I pay my dues, and uh, you know I'm proud to do it, and I'm glad to do it. But every member gets a vote. Every two years, all of our uh, leadership team gets elected, and that way, if the members don't like the direction that the organization is going, they can change it, and we make it easy. And if you do like the way the organization is going, you can maintain it. If you don't like the way it's going, you can also come in and be part of it. Um, all of these things are fairly easy to do. We encourage and welcome you to do it. But, again, in about a week, we're going to be holding the election, and for the next two years, those that we elect will be serving their office. Once again, these are volunteer positions. Anybody who runs or who gets elected to uh, the board or any of the uh, leadership positions is expected to volunteer upwards of 20 hours a week um, for this organization, and that's what we do. We're very committed uh, to working together, uh, building relationships, making changes, and that takes time and energy. So that's coming up. Um, another thing I want to bring up is last Saturday uh, we had a human solution meeting at the headquarters chapter, and physically we met in Southern California. There was, I don't know, maybe 20 of us all together, something like that, and we also had a Zoom call, and uh, we had a number of members from around the country join us, and part of why we did that was to demonstrate to the other chapters how easy it can be and that it's important um, if we're going to grow as an organization, I think personally that one of the biggest values that we have as an organization is being uh, a community, that you know we have a stronghold in a number of key points across the country, and that if somebody has a problem that's involved with human rights, especially involving cannabis, that they have somebody they can go to. If somebody has a, a legal case, um, a legal battle of any kind that is connected to cannabis, um, has a family member or somebody who's been locked up, any of these things, we're here to help. We have a lot of experience. Uh, we have people that have been through it, that are going through it, and uh, we can help to organize local support, um, educate people about what's happening to them and around them, and uh, we can raise money if needed. Now, one of the things that I talked about in this meeting was that as the upcoming year comes, we're going to be focusing our attention on two main points. And as a 501c3, we have the ability to raise money. We have the ability to um, qualify for grants. We have the ability to uh, interact with other nonprofits. All of these things, um, if done correctly, can really have a big impact. And we've been all volunteer this whole time, and it's, it's, it's been rel relative ranges of success. Sometimes we've been very successful. Sometimes we've been not so successful. But it's always been a lot of work to bring people together as volunteers. And I've always thought that if we just decided to one day set up a project, and in that project we were able to allocate funds and resources and have a team of people whose job it was to do this project, we could probably get more done. So for the last six or seven years, we've been talking about uh, a legal clinic, a self-help legal clinic, um, um, you know, 
kind of like the precursor to the ACLU, a, a, a nonprofit legal clinic that could challenge, um, you know, court decisions, could could raise appeals, could potentially get uh, attorneys to come in and do pro bono work, um, to get um, interns, uh, to get to get satisfactory. Um, uh, what they get credit for with their internships, um, give law students just graduating law school a chance to uh, get a jump in the real world um, if they don't get picked up by some big firm. Uh, there's all kinds of ways that we can take our 501c3 and create a legal clinic that could help a lot of people. Um, civil suits is another big thing. A lot of times I hear people all the time, they come to me and say, we should file a suit, and here's what we should do. Yep, you're right. We should do that. Who's going to do it? Who knows how to do it? Um, do we have the, the correct grounds? Do we know how to file it? All of these things could be met here. And what if we were to create a place where somebody like Craig could get a job and have an actual you know, paralegal research, coordination, all kinds of things could be done virtually, um, whether they were on home confinement, whether they were able to travel, uh, any number of ways that this job could be fulfilled. What if we were able to create a job that, that, that qualified? Um, we think that that's a good thing. We think that we can do this. And we're already connected in a number of uh, legal communities, including the American Bar Association. And we have a number of members that are paralegals, attorneys, and, and um, have been involved in the legal system in any number of, uh, of ways. So we're going to be putting in a bunch of effort to that. We're going to be looking to hire a grant writer um, to actually uh, go find us some money that we can fund this thing with. The second piece of it is our reentry program. We've already begun a project um, on two different fronts. One, we've been working with the Free Indeed Reentry Project, and we're kind of still figuring that one out. We're writing a, pro a plan. But second, um, our chapter in Kansas has actually just gone forward and got started. And, and our chapter coordinators in Kansas own a CBD shop. And they've actually taken a federal prisoner who was released um, due to, I, I, it was the, some act that just came out that affected a bunch of people, well, it affected this guy. And he was not a cannabis prisoner, but he served 15 years, and he was actually rehabilitated. And he knows, he knew the guy, the CARE Act, is that what it is? CARES Act passed in March of this year. Okay, I think he was... Before that was the First Step Act, was the end of 2018. I think it was the CARES Act that he was affected by. Anyways, they reduced his sentence, um, and he served 15 years, and again, he was not a he was not a nonviolent prisoner, but he was, and I don't know, <coughs> I think it was some burglary or breaking an entry or something. There was a victim to his crime, but he served 15 years for it, and he's come out and he he wants to better his life. He wants to get a fresh start. He's he's a he's spent a lot of time reading and, and bettering himself. <clears throat> and our chapter coordinators have known this guy since before he went in. So they gave him a job, and they registered with the Bureau of Prisons, 
and they're interacting with them, and they've given him a, a leg up. And that's part of what we want our, our reentry program to be is in some ways a job placement program. So we would be interacting with companies that were willing to hire felons and working with the departments that are involved, the Bureau of Prison, the Department of Corrections from various states, all the different agencies, um, um, the counselors involved, whatever, whatever we're still learning um, who we would be dealing with. But right now we're actually doing it. We've got one guy that's got a job right out of prison. <coughs> He's still being monitored. He still doesn't have free... Um, I don't know that he's – I think he might be on some kind of home confinement because he can only go between work and his job – I mean, between his home and his job and very limited travel. So I think he's in some sort of confinement. But nonetheless, um, you know, this is our first stab at this, and it seems like, um, you know, we're learning as we're going, but it's starting to happen. So that's something that I think is is – Pretty important. The next thing is that, <clears throat> excuse me, last year we launched a 501c4, and I, I believe that most of the activist organizations that are nonprofits are 501c4s. They're much easier to get than a 501c3, and they can be politically minded. They can introduce legislation. They can lobby. They can. Um, uh, sponsor legislation, they can uh, support legislation, they can do virtually all things political, but they cannot, and I just learned this when I went to Kansas a few weeks back, they cannot endorse a candidate for office. And I thought they could, but they can't. We actually have to launch yet another organization, which is going to be a political action committee. And so when we have a political action committee, then we can actually sponsor um, a, and endorse a political candidate, raise money for them, and actually help their campaign. So we're going to actually have three branches. Um, they're all going to be separate entities, and they may have different people involved. Um, it's okay. The core and the heart of this are all the same people. Um, the key players are, are, are all the same people. And we encourage um, anybody who wants to get involved in making change to the world, either by being a volunteer, um, by getting involved in, in a 501c3 volunteer-type efforts, or getting involved in a 501c4 and, and working on introducing legislation, writing legislation, supporting legislation, lobbying, any of those things, or getting involved in a, in a campaign and actually helping um, to bring about a change through an elected official. Um, these are all, in my opinion, some of the main ways to make change in the world. One of our branches will be able to make the change you might want to make. So I, I encourage you to participate in one way, shape, or form and stay tuned for the political action committee that's coming this year. What do you think about all that, Craig? I like it a lot. I like it a lot because that's, that's where our changes will come from. We actually need the laws themselves changed. So we need to be able to 
not just talk about the grassroots people or talk to the grassroots people in uh, getting up and doing activities. Need to be in the in the heart of the whole movement, in the heart of the campaigns, in the heart of uh, here's what matters. You know, here's what we want uh, <coughs> our legislatures to look at. So, and just to to write up something to a legislature, the 50C3 C3, uh, C3, you know, they might consider that a violation otherwise. You know, yeah, because they, they might try to say that it's politically motivated. Yeah, we can do limited amount of political things, but we don't even go anywhere near that line. We just say, nope, we don't do that. That's why we set up the four. Um, You know, and it's it's one of these things that, um, oh, you know, it looks like George Marcherano just popped on the line. My screener is having an issue with her or her computer today, but I I recognize the number. So I'm going to bring up George real quick, and we'll see what he's got to say. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, how's my bro? How's my West Coast family out there? How's oh, we're it going? doing fantastic. Good, good, good. Did you see the video I did about you? I saw that you did it. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I'm going to watch it and share it around. I've just been yeah. swamped the last, the last day, but I saw that you sent it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's like uh, when I said last week about how your product helped me through the coronavirus. I wanted to share that. Even though I, I spoke about it on the radio show, I wanted to share that with other my other social media, so I put it out there on a nice film. But anyway, tonight I'd like to say to, well, I know, you know, I, I always speak the truth, so the product really helped me through dire time, dire straits. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I want to announce today I opening. Even though I'm, I'm doing the show, I'm right now I'm in Colorado Springs, Colorado, uh, and uh, uh, trying to uh, broaden my wine, uh, not my beer business, because you know I started beer, uh, mugshot beer and Grandfather beer. But anyway, we opened in Atlantic City today. We opened wow. in Atlantic City. Our six, our six <clears throat> So we opened Atlantic City today. I'm proud of that, and it's like I said, it's a message that we're giving uh, to the world, you know, you, it took my life and they threw me away in prison and they thought I could never, never mount anything. Okay. Well, I came out and right now we have lots of people working for us. and We hope to have lots more. So, and uh, incidentally, ladies and gentlemen, I can honestly say I'm the first prison ever, ever in the history of America and history of incarceration that has come out and has his face on his own beer can. That's never been done before in the history of America. So, and this is what this is what we have to get out there. You know, everyone needs a second chance. So important. Everybody needs the second chance. So, I wanted to well, share that know, with everybody. You're also right. showing that when somebody gets kicked to the curb, as you were locked up, taking everything away, that. You right. can always come back. You know, you have hustled. I've watched you for almost five years now since you got right. out. You never stopped, not for one second. You know, you just got out there and you've been working, 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 working every single minute of every single day. And you right. know, watching you hustling and look right. at look at it now. Chaos. Well, I'm booked. I'm booked in December, Joe. I'm booked. I'm already booked for California. 
I, I promise. Right. I know I'm always telling you, but I'll definitely okay. be out there in December. <laughs> I'm definitely be out there in December. Excellent. Well, I would rather you come to see me in December than me come out to Philly in December. I think uh, California will. No, I'll, I'll will... be out there. I'm already booked. It's a must. I'll be out there, and I'll probably come and stay with you a couple of days. And Perfect. <clears throat> I'll get done all my business, and then my downtime will be with you guys. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm very much. All right. I'm looking All forward right. to uh, you know getting getting this year behind us and getting uh, getting some good things happening and you know um, I, I I see a lot of really good things on the horizon and I'm looking forward to watching them all play out. Right, right. Well, they're happening. We just got to get our country country back again. I mean, crazy times. I mean, I had the virus. I didn't want it. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't need it. I didn't want it. And I need it. I had it, but I survived. But a lot of poor people not surviving. And a friend of mine, he was a prisoner. He did 25 years in the state. And his name's Bobby. And he gives out 7,000 pounds of food a week to the wow. in Philadelphia. And I just hooked him wow. up with another company. And we brought them up to 21,000 pounds a week distributing food in Philly. And what Bobby tells me, they're not poor people coming. They're regular people. They're not the homeless coming. These, we're, creating, we're creating thousands of poor people with this problem. So uh, it's just people don't know. You have to go into the neighborhoods like I go, poor neighborhoods, the minority neighborhoods, and really see what's going on. So everyone can do their part. I'm not saying you have to, but everyone can do do something. I couldn't so. agree more. I couldn't agree more. Well, hopefully, um, you know, we're leading by example and, and, and providing opportunities to, uh, right, to, right. to better their lives and uh, educating people about how to make changes in the world. Right, right, right. All right, I can't wait to see you. I miss you guys. And uh, I'll, I'll see you soon. You again, my All right, my brother. Take care. Good night, All right, everybody. Take care. Good night. Bye, All right, George Martirano, folks. You know, it's always uh, it's always interesting. I I lost sight of how long it had been, you know, but I've actually known him longer since he's been out than I knew him when he was in. He's been out for almost five years now, and. Uh, it, it, it's amazing how time flies. You know, I knew him, I think, for three three or four years while he was inside. And, uh, you know, here it is. It's, he's, he's been out longer, for me anyway, since I've known him, longer than he's been in. So, um, you know, time keeps going. Things keep changing. And, you know, it's up to us to make these changes. Um, we can be the change we want to see in the world and I really believe that the work we're doing with the human solution and the new efforts we're making, the new alliances that we're forming, the groups and leaders we're working with, I really believe that um, the year coming up is going to have a lot of opportunities and we're going to be able to influence a lot of great changes out there. Well, Craig, I think... Um, we're going to bring this a little bit early to a close or a little bit late, depending on which side of, of it you want to see. Um, it's a 
45-minute half-hour show or a 45-minute hour show, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. Actually, a 50-minute. Um, so you got a, a last uh, plug or, or uh, um, something that you want to bring attention to? Yes, I do. As you talked about the uh, legal aid for prisoners, what a lot of people don't realize is prisoners are uh, lambasted by all these offers of help, usually from uh, private paralegals out on the street. And they promise that, you know, well, guaranteed we'll get you transferred to the prison you want. Guaranteed we'll get a reduction in your sentence. Guaranteed we'll, we'll do this, that, or the other. And they, unfortunately, the, their prices started about $3,500. And uh, they write terrible legal briefs that never work. And in some cases, they've actually been able to uh, go around the prisoner to their families and bilk them out of ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. Wow. These people, of course, end up in prison. Some of them have been in prison two or three times for doing the same thing. Wow. But prisoners want to grasp on to anything that they can. Right. And these things are convincing. There's actually lawyers that do it as well. So really, what the uh, legal aid out of the um, human solution can do is actually take that away from a lot of these vultures. Yeah. You know, keep well, them from, you know. You know, okay. even within the prison, one thing I was able to do is look over what these people promised and and tell these people something they didn't want to hear is that, you know, this is a pipe dream. It could never happen, you know. Right. Well, one of the things that, um, you know, we've always seen as as a goal, and we've already purchased, um, I don't know, something like 500 motions that have already been successfully filed and um, argued for various different things, 500 or so of them. <clears throat> and we'll be able to have a library of that. So when it comes to if we get somebody that is under-defended or trying to represent themselves in an active case um, and and they, you know, show us their case and we're able to look at it and say, well, it looks like something like this might be appropriate. Here's a template of this type of emotion. You can bring it before your counsel and have them craft it to their, you know, to your case, or you can take this template and do the same. It could be very helpful, but the same idea is going to come with briefs. Like we, as a human solution, have filed um, an amicus curiae brief a couple of times in an appellate hearing in a state case. I personally wrote it, and when I got started, I didn't know anything about it, right? You know, people think, ah, oh, you just, no. I did the same thing. I went through and I looked it up and I figured it out and I found templates that were similar enough to what I was seeking to do that I was able to craft a brief that was accepted by the court. And I don't know that it had the impact I was hoping it would, but it was accepted by the court. It got filed and recorded. So I, I can imagine that as we get skilled at this, we'll begin to build a library of these types of things, of different briefs and filings and 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 um, motions and appellate issues and all the different kinds of things that that can be filed, even lawsuits, um, and, you know, to, to filing civil cases um, in various uh, you know cities, counties, states, and even the federal government. 
um, we'll be able to create quite a library over time of successfully filed legal legal documents. But I mean that those make such a big difference to prisoners because there's so many things that just the way the law is structured, a, a prisoner has to do it on his own. For instance, if the prisoner goes through his proceedings and his lawyer was just bum, a bum lawyer and didn't do his job, you can't get any help from that. You know, the courts won't appoint anybody. They won't pay for investigators. They won't pay for lawyers. A prisoner is on his own. So now he has to raise an issue on his own of ineffective assistance of counsel and fight against a lawyer as the prosecutor, against the judge who, you know, wants to look at a lawyer's credibility ahead of a prisoner's. Of so he's got an uphill battle to begin with. Right. These things, like you say, some little technicality, they'll throw it out. They just toss it, you know, and that's what all these people that I've known who, you know, especially the, the um, sovereign people and all the people that are, you know, they got these, these, these admiralty law and all these crazy things, and it, and it doesn't mean that they're not right. It just means that they don't know how to apply it in a courtroom setting in, in the right way. People believe, oh, you just have to say these, these words, and they're magic words, and the, the, the court has to do something or not do something. Truth is, there's rules of evidence, there's rules uh, of court, and regardless of those rules, the judge can basically do what he wants. That's why they have higher courts. And judges do the wrong thing all the time. They don't allow things that they should, and they do allow things that they shouldn't, and that's why they have higher courts, because there's all kinds of mistakes and corruption that happens in the lower courts. And so, at very least, you know, then you're dealing with lawyers that are sharks. I mean, these guys are, are savvy. They know how to operate in the world they live in. They know the people that they're working with. You know, a lawyer that, that operates in the same court or the same county or the same district Knows all the judges, knows all the you know the prosecutors, knows all the knows the bailiffs, knows the the court clerks, knows the 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 you know the transcript people, the stenographers. You know they all know each other. There's only so many of them. And so, what do you think? Who do you think is going to get the the favorable nod when it comes to something that might be questionable? It's always going to be the guy you know. Absolutely, I remember a case of a guy that was a retired guy in his late 60s was arrested for a bottle of pills he had in his house. The government tested it. They said, oh, that's methamphetamine. And they sent him to federal prison for 12 years. He got there. I looked at his paperwork, and part of his paperwork was the lab analysis that was done on, on this chemical. It wasn't methamphetamine at all. It was a, a mixture. I think it was 2% amphetamine. The substance he had was a legal diet pill. There was nothing whatsoever legal about the substance he had. Wow. But the court just fought and fought and fought for the next three years that didn't even want to see his his claim. The man didn't commit a crime. He didn't possess a, a drug he wasn't allowed to have. Wow. But yet the, you know, the court, the lawyers, all that fought back against him. That's well, what, what prisoners are up against. And, and not only that, but I, this is the point that I wanted to make, and I was going to expound upon it a little more than I'm going to have time to because now we're almost out of the whole hour, but it's okay. It, 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 
generally when a conversation goes long, it means you're having a good time. And so I don't know how many people hang up their hats on the law as to whether they should or should not do something. And if it's legal or if it's not legal. And, and you know, common sense doesn't always come into play. Right and wrong doesn't always come into play. But legal or not legal. And for an example, I know some people very closely that have been helping a, a, a patient, a person suffering from cancer with cannabis oil. And they, through this cannabis oil, got this person into remission. And I don't know, several months ago, I got the good news that guy was no longer had any sign of cancer. <laughs> and then just today, I got a message from them that they got tested again several months later, and they're still 100% cancer-free. And I said to myself, well, I believe if we could get that experience into the minds and hearts of those people that are still in our way, that are, that are, that are putting obstacles in the way of just people getting access to this, to this medicine, it would, it would be effective. And the problem is, in order to tell them about it, you have to put yourself at risk. You would be actually presenting evidence that could and would be used against you just in telling the person that you wanted to make a change about the value of this thing. And it was really frustrating, you know, to, to look at that. And then today on the on the road, on my way to a meeting, I heard an article on the news that Purdue Pharmaceuticals um, just signed a plea deal acknowledging criminal activity and agreed to some huge fine and that their uh, massive pharma company was going to be dissolved and put into a public trust and uh, the owners of the corporation were going to lose their company over this. And it had to do with Oxycontin. And at the time that Oxycontin came to market, this company was going to doctors and promoting this drug as safe. And the doctors, who are some of the most highly educated human beings and are taught to be scientists and are taught to use the scientific method and to be objective and critical thinking, and they're told by this pharmaceutical company who clearly lied to the FDA, the regulatory body that is supposed to keep us safe, and they lied about their studies and they lied about the, the safety and they lied about the addictive behavior. And as a result, these doctors um, were courted and given incentives to prescribe these drugs, and they did, and they prescribed the crap out of them. And ultimately, they created an opiate epidemic, a pandemic of addiction in the United States of America, a legal one. People would legally, legitimately get in an accident, get a surgery, have an injury, have an ailment that these drugs would be good for, and be prescribed these drugs, and they would get hooked on them, and they would stay hooked on them. And many times they would die from these, from these drugs, and sometimes they would die from the withdrawal.
withdrawals of trying to quit them. And this is the very same argument that I'm given all the time. Well, cannabis can't be brought to market because FDA won't approve it. Cannabis can't be brought to market because we don't know enough about it. There needs to be testing. It needs to be researched. It needs this. It needs that. And the truth is that in over 10,000 years of cannabis use, there's not one single case of a person dying from cannabis. And if there was, they would be telling us about it. And, and, and it's so ridiculous and frustrating that these supposedly the highest educated people on the planet and some of the most influential people on the planet and they're full of shit. They're 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 I mean I mean it's true. They're 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 lying and they're cheating and they're and they're taking advantage and they're doing all the same things that they claim us poor people are doing. That the that the that you know the the dregs of society would do. They're doing it and they're doing it to us. And I think that we need to wake up a little bit and, and realize that um regulations isn't necessarily um you know, the panacea that people would see it is. We need to be mindful. We need to be uh, operating from common sense. And sometimes when something makes enough sense, we need to demand it. And I believe that this is one of those things. And, uh, you know, Craig, I've got – I'm totally out of time. I'm going to turn on my time machine. Hang on a second. All right, time machine's turned on. We, we're good for a few more minutes. Um, and I never know how long it's going to go before we vaporize into, uh, you know, some strange place. Um, but meanwhile, um, I got Tom Corby on the line, and I'm pretty sure it's him because I recognize his area code, and we'll bring him up, and then we'll give you the last word, and then I'll take the last word after that, and then Willie Nelson will get the last word after that. What do you say? It works for me. <laughs> All right, here we go. I believe I'm looking at Tom Corby here. Tom, is that you? <coughs> yeah, that's me, Joe. Barely. <laughs> Barely. Well, I'm glad it's you, but I'd rather have barely Tom Corby than no Tom Corby at all. <laughs> well, thank you, Joe, and Coffee Party Radio. Back always. Very nice to meet. It's always. the last Coffee Party show. So just remember yes, that. Always. Next will not be Coffee there, there. Party. Yes. So a point I want to bring out here when when we're working in these gardens most people have no clue what it takes to get top cabin medicine. I've been using cannabis for 53 years. I've always had some sort of plant. And I now have other masters in the medicine like you, Joe, that know that everything's against you to, to make this work out, to have the best medicine. It costs a lot of money. If the mites don't get you the mold will, they don't get you the caterpillar damage will or the hail or the wind. In the end, if that doesn't get you, the cops and robbers might get you. And it's hard to get through the year and actually harvest your medicine. The reason I got hurt two weeks ago almost uh, then just, just I just had acupuncture, and believe me, uh, people that have especially lower back pain really works. So I'm out in my garden, and I, I'm kind of the watering. I'm watering, and 
uh, I'm pulling the hose down, and it gets caught on something, and I'm sideways, and it, and it jerked my right bulging disc out, and it's still kind of out. It's just to point out that a lot of people just don't realize what it takes out there, and it, not only not that it's not really good for you, good exercise out in that air, and, and uh, it's very spiritual to be out with these plants. And but it's a lot of times when you have these collectives, nobody's getting enough. They never get enough. I said, well, how much did you put in to get out? We get in life, what we put in, we get out. There's no free rides. And freedom's not free either. Look at people still going to jail for our plan. Well, it's always follow the money. Always about the money. And when we talk about cases, uh, I've talked about my case before. Uh, I went to jail twice for cannabis, and both times, I, in essence, I, I actually won. In 1976, when I owned a little, small little town in Nevada, I got busted. I got set up uh, and trapped. Uh, two months, I fought my case. I actually realized that I actually not only had court support, I had eight witnesses take the stand for me. They had they had me up for 20, 20 years for furnishing a joint that was that I was set up in a trap. We we actually after two weeks, uh, well, it was a hell of a fight, and, and I was lucky to have a really good attorney back then. Uh, Greg Korn, uh, he did all the right things. But anyway, in the end, we hung we hung the jury in Elko County, Nevada, the biggest county in Nevada is Elko County. And <clears throat> when we win these cases, every time we win these cases, like Joe's line, uh, uh, Nick Moran, who's here with me today, Frank Canan, all these cases set a precedence. So you're not only helping yourself, but you're helping somebody else not to go to jail for our plans. That's why we stand our ground. We volunteer to help be the solution to finally end prohibition and free all our POWs. And uh, I want to thank everybody today. And that's about all I have. <laughs> thank you. And don't forget to breathe. All right, Tom. Well, I appreciate uh, your time. I'm glad you're feeling a little better, and uh, hopefully next week you'll even be better now. All right, Joe. Thank you. Awesome. All right, Craig, what do you say? You got a last uh, parting shot here. All right. I, I like to build on Tom's thing that uh, the human solution is about people helping people, and we need to keep doing that. We need to keep keep our eye on the ball when it comes to that. Absolutely. And, and remember, you know, if we want the world to be better, we can make it better. And and that's it. We just need to, you know, put our put our thoughts and our time and our energy into the things that we want to see. You know, if we complain and, and, and bemoan our situation, I believe we create that thing that we're complaining about. And if we if we look at our hopes and dreams and, and spend our energy working to make it change and change ourselves and, and bring people together, I believe that we create that. And I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's not that hard. It's actually fun. You know, when you get together and you start working together, 
Um, there's no, it's hard to find a more uh, rewarding uh, situation than to work together in a group and actually accomplish something. So I appreciate everybody that's been a part of this. Um, next week, um, by today, I believe we will already be announcing our election results. <clears throat> so remember, if you uh, want to have an influence on the direction of the human solution for the next two years, get onto the website, thsintl.org, and register to vote. If you haven't uh, signed up as a member in the last year, you can do so right then and there and get yourself a vote. And let's be the change we want to see in the world, and let's see what old Willie has to say. And aside from that, we'll see you. I am Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. You were always on my mind. You were always on my mind. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.